You are listening to another DX Talk. Delivering vital knowledge that empowers leaders to drive transformational change in their businesses. Brought to you by Quantum, facilitators of future-focused operating models that balance people, processes, and technology towards a new way of working. Welcome to DX Talks. This is the first episode of season two and our first episode for 2021. My name is Russell and I'm your host. We're going to be talking today with Andrew Mitchum, who is a Forex trader. Andrew has developed an automated Forex trading platform underpinned by machine learning and predictive analytics. The platform is live in the market and today's conversation will focus on the journey to create a new product based on AI and smart technologies. I've been really excited about creating this podcast for a few months now for two reasons. First, Andrew is a Kiwi, and it's exciting to be able to share the story of a New Zealand business using AI and smart technology to succeed on a global stage. The second is that Andrew's story brings to life some key messages which kept coming out from previous guests at the end of last year. AI and smart technologies can level the playing field between small businesses and large businesses. And most importantly, AI and smart technology are for businesses of all sizes. We have a quick message from Quanton, and then we'll get today's conversation underway. The way the world works is changing, and organizations need to change with it. At Quantum, we transform your operating model to a new, future-focused way of working by helping you build internal capability and find the sweet spots where automation can have the biggest impact on your business with quantifiable benefit. To find out more, visit quantin.co.nz. So our guest today is Andrew Mitchum, the Forex Training Coach. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi there, Russell. Nice to be here. First of all, it'd be nice maybe if you give us an introduction to yourself, who you are, what you do, and what your journey has been up to this point. Yeah, sure, Russell. So I'm Andrew Mitchum. I live in Nelson, which is at the top of the South Island in beautiful New Zealand. And I've been trading Forex full-time for 17 years now. Before that, I was a dairy farmer. So nothing to do with trading, nothing to do with automation at all. And and, and stumbled into uh, trading almost by accident. Got hooked on it. Realized it was a lot harder than most people tell you it is. But stuck at it. Developed something that worked for me. And then for the last 11, nearly 12 years, I've been teaching people how to trade manually the strategy that I've been trading all those years. I think we could probably spend an hour talking about that story, which I know is is a very cool story. But the the reason we're talking with you today is you have built an automated trading platform called Pattern Trader. And what I want to point out at this point is that patent trader so andrew has already shared with me patent trader is, is less than 24 months old so it was it was productionized in approximately 12 months it's been live for about nine months now yes uh, it is a, a SaaS based software platform it, it has customers and it, and it has revenue so this is a and i think that's an amazing story in itself i think the question at this point is do you want to share with people what what patent trader is um, how it works and, and what people are achieving with it yeah, sure. So uh, Patent Trader is a platform that allows anybody, but right now mostly currency traders, forex traders, to create a, a group of robots 
or bots and then blend them together in a portfolio to basically have rules and conditions that are that they're happy with that they're, they're applicable to their risk management and then uh, it's all based on the strategy that i trade manually but we've tried to automate that process and um, very easy for people to create their own group of bots um, within literally a couple of minutes um, and then the process is that those bots alert the user to potential trading opportunities now either semi-automated through your phone through something like telegram or completely automated, depending on which way the user wants to, to use those. And um, the user then decides to look at their computer or their phone and go, yep, I like the look of this setup, or no, I don't. And the software takes the trade automatically for them at their risk level, straight directly into their currency account. Are you able to give an ex without sharing anything you're uncomfortable sharing, are you able to discuss mm -hmm. how many users are on there and, and what, what kind of results people are achieving? Yep, uh, I could probably go onto it live right now on, on another screen here and give you an exact example. We've probably got about 200 people using it uh, live. And I am just going to, I should have had this open for you, Russell, I'm very sorry, but I'm gonna give you some, um, some live results that people have been achieving um, from our leaderboard. So right now, annualized returns, uh, well, actual returns are ranging from about sort of uh, the top 20 are ranging from about 8% through to about 26% uh, since they've started running those systems. And annualized results are anywhere between around sort of 20% uh, through to somewhere up to as much as potentially 300% uh, returns, uh, depending on, of course, assuming the current results continue. So some pretty good results there, considering these would either be completely automated or, or semi-automated trading systems. I think where your platform starts to become very, very interesting is it is underpinned by predictive analytics and machine learning. Yes. Do you want to share with us a little bit about the role that those two capabilities are playing on your platform? Yeah, sure. So when someone creates a bot, it's using um, historical data to give the outcomes of what would have been achieved obviously over uh, in the past. Uh, but going forward, what we've tried to do is not just use historical data because we found that with so many different automated robots or trading systems out there is that they all tend to fail the minute you put them live. So that's one thing we, we said, look, if all else, let's not fall into that trap. So we've used the system so that ongoing, it takes the more recent data and it's analyzing that data to current market conditions. And it's using that information to adjust profit targets and stop losses of, of individual trades that it's taking uh, going forward. So it's continually learning according to uh, the patterns that we're using, according to different currency pairs that we're trading. So it, it's it's adapting to current conditions because of course, being the financial markets, they're constantly changing. If I, if I break this down a little bit, yes. you're, you're essentially buying or selling currency pairs. Correct. And in a given trade, there's, there's three critical points. Yes. One is the, the point at which you enter the trade. Mm -hmm. The second would be your stop loss, which is effectively how much risk you're taking. And, and that's, yes. if this goes the wrong way, it's where I'm bailing. Yep. And your, your third is where you're taking your profit. Yes. Whatever level. And so where predictive analytics is coming into this is it is using, like you said, it is using past data as well as recent data to determine where to set the stop loss position and where to set the take profit position. So you're using your predictive analytics to optimize the potential outcome 
for the user based on probability. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and we sort of almost sort of fine-tune that even more because in the Forex markets, there's eight currencies that we trade mostly. And um, whenever you see like the news, for example, you'd see being in New Zealand, we'd see the New Zealand dollar against the US or against the yen or against the pound or against the euro. Um, but there's other currencies, obviously, it's like the Canadian against the yen or against the franc or the euro US. So there's a, a combination of, let's call it, say, 30 different currency pairs. So each currency pair has its own behavioral patterns. And it could be depending on the time of year or time of month or um, time of day even. Because, of course, us in New Zealand, our market's shut when the European market's open. So there's all these different characteristics about different currency pairs and times of the day. So the software is analyzing that as well. It's uh, it's not just saying, here's this pattern. We're going to take that exact same pattern on the New Zealand US dollar or the Canadian dollar yen. It's specific to each currency pair as well. So it's quite uh, it's quite clever what it's analyzing. And, and it's, yeah, it's using that information going forward to make adjustments to give, according to current conditions, optimum levels for entry and exits. I think there's a couple of key things I want to hit on there. The way you're applying machine learning is to ensure that your predictions are incorporating the current environment Yes, Not just historical data. So it's it's with whatever you know special blend that you've sort of worked out it to make sure the current environment is reflected as well as past data to get yeah. the best outcome. Right. It gets a good weighting, so it's current as well. Yeah, and, and I think in the, in in our particular world and industry, that's where most um, automated software that I've ever seen uh, or been made aware of that's where it has a failing is that it takes very rigid rules and very specific, if this does this, then do that. And of course, yes, you can curve fit it. Yes, you can make it work beautifully when you're selling a system like that because you can almost over, you know, optimize it. But every time I've ever used one of those type of systems from day one, it just fails. And it's just very, very common that that happens. So, you know, like I said, that was one thing that we were very conscious of when we put this together of making sure we we had something that's very different, that does adapt, that's ongoing, it's continually learning, it's um, it's changing to current conditions. I think the second thing you've said, which I, I really, really like is, so when most businesses think of automation, we think about replacing human involvement in activities mm. and on low value tasks, that, that's necessarily absolutely true, but there's a, a concept we've been talking about internally and, and rather than human replacement, we talk about human enablement and it's around yes. how do we enable humans more. And, and what your technology is doing is it's not replacing human involvement, but it, number one, it's augmenting it. And, and number two, it's actually empowering the human more, right? It's, yes. um, it's allowing the human to look at more. It's, it's taking the, the grant work out and bringing what's required to the human to make a decision. Here is what I can present to you. Now use your knowledge on, on this decision right. to decide what what's right or what's wrong or what you're going to do. It, you're not sitting there scanning charts. It takes a lot of the human failings of trading, which is the emotions, takes that out of it. Like you, your head and your heart are two big failings of manual forex traders um, because it's real. You know, it's real money. It's happening right now and it affects you. And so by taking that away, you're just basically looking at this chart, knowing what you've been taught, and go, yes, I like this trade or no, I don't. Whether that be the New Zealand dollar, US dollar, because we live here, or whether it be the euro, US dollar, it doesn't matter. It's the pattern that you're looking for according to your set of rules. And you go, yes or no. 
and then you you basically walk away and, and let it do its thing. So a big part of the trading failure of, of people trading, manual trading, your emotions, you're taking a good chunk of that away. On the other side of that is looking at this, and you've sort of articulated this really well, is looking at a, a process end to end, right? In this case, it's the process of trading. Mm. And it's around understanding where humans add the most value to that process. Yes. And where technology can add the most value. And then how do you bring those together in the right blend? How did this journey start for you? And, and specifically, you know, you've, you're kind of a first-time user of predictive analytics and machine learning in a business model. How did that come about? Yep. So um, interesting that a client of mine who lives over in Ireland, he joined me um, on my manual coaching course back in 2012. And he was a struggling forex trader, uh, very smart guy, engineer, lost his job and uh, wanted to get into trading, just wasn't working for him took the course, worked hard, uh, got great returns, made it work, did all the right things, you know, asked questions, attended webinars, all those type of things. And, and he came to me um, a couple of years ago now and, and said, look, I've got this idea of trying to make your strategy, which we know works and is proven, and try to automate this as much as we can. And, and I'd always wanted to do that, but just never really found the person to do that. And I think there's a real special uh, combination blend that you know anybody else should look for, uh, making sure obviously you're, you're working with the right people. Because I've always had that desire to try and automate or semi-automate the strategy, just out of out of interest and and saving time and offering it to you know the ability for more people to trade it. But I also needed to work with someone who understood it as well and understood trading. I couldn't. I, I don't think I could have just gone and found any programmer out there, you know, online and and worked with because it would have probably been okay. But the two of us bouncing ideas off about trading, him with the ability to do the programming and that knowledge, me with the trading ability, and also with the ideas of how to evolve this and how I want it to look from a client's point of view. I, I think we've got a really good blend there. I think that it's a really nice point. And, and certainly, I forget which podcast now, but another one of our guests, he, he said his advice was you, you have to ask yourself, whenever you look at changing your business model technology, you have to ask yourself, am I a, a widget provider who mm. uses technology to enable what I do? Or am I a technology provider who happens to do widgets? And yes. Because that, the difference there, depending on how you answer that, defines about how you move forward and, and I think you know you've been really clear that you're a domain knowledge expert and therefore the necessity to work with the right partner for you mm. to bring this to life but actually what you've delivered because remembering for our listeners that we are talking about a live product in the market yes you, you've now demonstrated the power of of the right partnership with, with the right people involved and you know making it work first time as well you know it's not like it's our 10th attempt type of thing it, it's um, you know we've obviously done a lot of sort of thoughts gone into it and a lot of uh, asking other people as well has gone into it and it's still evolving but when we took it out there to the market and made it live we were really happy with it sure it's still continually got even better and we're adding more features but we were at a level when it went live that we were really really happy with it and it was you know it was a definitely at a level where people were were thrilled to jump on board and take it i think and so we were having a chat offline and it, it was around 12 months where from from ideation like from the point we went actually here's the idea to mm. now we've got this live yes for a you know i guess a perspective that for a change or something bringing something new into a business that, that's quite a rapid change which is great and you've we are now not even at the end of your second year we've got users on board 
how we're using it. And there's a couple of really, really key things in there, which are consistent themes. And I, I know you've talked about the fact that you delivered, actually, so the first one is minimum viable product. You didn't try and deliver utopia. You had a, a minimum, let's just get something out there. Yes. That is a, a minimum viable way that works. Because once it's out there, now it's in the market. Um, so that's the first thing. Number two, it was around customer feedback. You, yes. Quite early on, you've brought customers in and yes, you've evolved this based around your users. And number three being the key point is it is continually evolving, right? So once Yes, you, yeah. And key message is transformation you know, never stops, right? It, that's it, right. The second you stop, you're going backwards. And yes. You you continually evolve um, mm. based on the, the feedback and of your customers. And, and that's where you start iterating and improving or bringing on new features. That's right. Nice. And I think you've got to get something out there. Obviously, it's got to be good enough you know, in the first place. You can't just put anything out there. But we were very, very comfortable that this was really good. Uh, the, the client feedback, that, that's interesting because that's a balance between offering it to people who we only offered it to some of my coaching clients. We just picked a, a group of those people and said, please try it for us. Give us your feedback. And, and then becomes the issue if you get lots and lots of feedback and we want this adding and we want that adding and all these extra things, which of course for the poor programmer coder guy just, you know, takes forever to do one of these. And then we had to think of like, you know, how many of these are, are real valid for what we want or just, one person said, I want this, but it's not really going to aid everybody else. And then when you offer something like this to people, you've got to be really careful of, you know, everybody goes, right, I want the full thing now. You know, you keep talking about it. I've given you feedback. I like the sound of it and I want it. And, and so it's a real fine balance between getting it to that marketable level and, and not rushing that process either, but also getting something out. Um, but I think the client's feedback is really important, but I, I think we kind of, we didn't like copy someone else's idea and, and change it around. We didn't like find another product and go, oh, we could make this better by changing A, B, and C. We actually didn't do any of that. We just took our own product and go, this is what we want it to work like and look like and user-friendly wise, this is what we want it to do. Now let's make it. I think something you've said, which in there, which you articulated really well, which like you said, you are always going to get magnitudes of requests and feedback. And yes. it's around linking those back to the strategic objectives of what you're, you know, what you're trying to achieve to start mm -hmm. with. I'm going to drop a link to this in the show notes. So Gartner every year publishes the top strategic technology trends and the 2020, sorry, the 2021 trends are out. And trend number two, which is what you've just been talking about, they call it total experience. And mm. the total experience is the intersection between the, the user experience or client experience, the, inter, uh, the user experience as in the, the business user, uh, and then the, the required business outcomes. And, and you articulated that really, really well, where if you bring all those three together, uh, yes. that, that's where you get really valuable progress. That, that, yes. that benefits everyone and that's going to move the business forward, which is or the service or the product, which is which is a really powerful place to be. So as I said, I'll drop a link to that article in the show notes. When, if I go back a couple of steps, yeah. effectively the, the process of, of building this product was, the minimum viable product was, was 12 months. And it sounds like you said that you know, prior to that, you didn't necessarily have a knowledge of predictive analytics or machine learning from, from a mm. business user's perspective. Mm. So what, what was your learning journey like from, from going from this idea to now all of a sudden I have a product underpinned by smart technologies? Oh, interesting because uh, it was, I suppose we were trying to do something that not many people in this market had done. And that's what we had to try and ensure that we achieve to make this work and to make it different. 
to make it work in real time. Key apart from the actual strategy, you still have to have the strategy that works in the first place. You know, like automation or semi-automation cannot cannot magically fix something that doesn't work in the first place. And I think that was why the the programmer and myself got together because he had had, you know, it was this 2019 when we sort of really started talking about this. He'd had seven years of manual trading my strategy by then. He knew it worked. He had confidence to invest his own time and and you know knowledge into this because he'd seen it proven to be working. And I think that's really important that, you know, that he had the, the idea and the ability to do that, the coding side of things and the, and the predictive and the, the constant changing. I had the sort of the background knowledge of the actual trading and, and what we wanted this thing to do. Um, not every single aspect of what I look at in manual trading we've included in this because we found that it got to a stage where the more and more things that you add, the actual performance and results didn't improve. And sometimes they got quite a lot worse because, you know, the human eye can see certain things and know certain things are coming that the machine can never know. So I think that's why we we prefer to call it semi-automated trading because you've got to have the balance of both to make it, to get the best out of it. I think you, way back when you started this comment, you hit on something hugely critical and you said that you set out to do something that hasn't been done before. Mm. And the reason I say that's powerful, like if you're an existing business, I think the trap people fall into is go, is they look at their business and they go, well, how, well, how do we do this? How do we optimize this process? How do we save time by this? Whereas actually what you've done is you've gone, this is what I want to achieve in the world. Yes. And you've, you've come from the perspective of being unconstrained by an existing business model. Like you, yes. You've got an existing business, but you actually went, I'm going to separate myself from that existing business. Yes. And I'm going to just, I'm going to go into um, call it an innovative space around what is the best way to do this and what that's resulted in is a separate entity from. It is. It is very, very separate. Yeah. It has some correlation, but we're deliberately keeping it separate. Well, I think that's a really key learning. So for any, any business owner out there who's, who's talking about how do I change my business? Mm. I, I would say focus on the outcome that you want to make real in the world. Yes. And then ask yourself, what is the most interesting way to achieve this? Mm. Not, and don't don't start from the perspective of how do I do that in my business model. Just, just go, how do I achieve this? And mm. may, maybe that's part of your business model. Maybe it's not. But mm. be open to that because I think what you're telling us is proof of you know what, what can come from taking that kind of approach. Yeah, and I think there's two things to add to that. One that I've mentioned, don't start with something that's broken. You know, make sure it works in the real world with manually doing it, whether it be trading, whatever it may be. That process that you're trying to automate it has to still work and be valid and be proven and also depending again what it is you're trying to achieve with this it's like can it be scalable like can we get a million users on this you know are we restricted to 200 you know what what's holding it back from just being scalable and and i suppose if you want to make it that scalable you've got to you've got to work that into you know what it is you're developing you, you can't suddenly have something that's um, that's automated in one process, but then you're getting a thousand questions from an individual on another way, you know, because you, you just can't make that work. I think there's, a, there's a, again, there's a lot of gold in there. And, and the first one, as you said, don't, don't automate something that's broken. And, and technology mm. will give you um, exponentially greater results. And yes. if you have something working, there will be good results. And if you yes. have something broken, there will be yep. problems and, and bad results. Yes. So a lot of, in, I guess for the listeners, a lot of presentations when people are trying to point to some kind of examples they in, in the business world of what what's right you know you, you point to people like facebook or uber and, and 
they refer to them as exponential organizations. And there's been a framework, I'm a little bit off topic here. So there's been a framework developed and it's called the, the OpenXO framework. And it, it basically tries to answer the question of, you know, if, if there's an exponential business, what are the characteristics of that exponential business that mm. people could take um, and apply to their business model in order to achieve what you've talked about, which is how do I be how I be scalable and how do I be exponential and how do I exponentially grow? And I'll sort of stop at this point. I'd go as far as to say with my knowledge of that framework, that your business model has a lot of those characteristics. To any any listener out there, if, you, if you're if you're liking what you've heard, I'd really encourage you, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, to go and have a look at the OpenXO framework. Their foundation course is effectively free if you just want to gain an understanding of it. Sorry, one of the, the reoccurring messages from guests, which we sort of kept hearing, particularly later last year, was around using, was around how AI is creating strategic advantage um, mm. for businesses. And I mean, that's one, a strategic advantage, but number two, leveling the playing field between small businesses and large businesses. And I, I think to some degree, a lot of, the, if I asked you, you know, how is that true for you, a lot of that's already come out, but is there anything else you would add to that question or, or sort of that? I think with this is this kind of proves that you don't need to be an enormous um, large business to get involved in something like this. You know, ultimately this is one guy in Nelson in New Zealand and another guy in Ireland who both have a passion for trading. Um, you know, so you don't, I think people get the perception that to do something like that, you've got to be big to start with, you know, and you look at like the Facebook example that you mentioned, and you know, the, you know, all the stories around the, the Googles and the Microsofts and all those, they've all started in universities or garages or, you know, small scale. And, um, and I just say to people, you, you don't need to be a big company with multi-million dollar budgets to do something. You just need to have the idea. Find that you know a few right people that are all on the same page, and uh, who have that desire and that passion to to do something different. I've never ever no, I can be hundred percent honest here. I, I've never ever have I looked at this as something that it's going to be a money maker. You know, I, I've. I've done this because we had a passion to actually make something that's different. If it makes money and, and it, you know, and it is, and it does then for us, then that's great, but it's making money for the clients first, because for this to work, you know, for people to keep using it and keep subscribing and for all our time and effort that's gone into it to, you know, to pay for that, this has to work as a trading product for the individual. You know, it has to work for them. If it doesn't work, we're going to get people join for one or two months and give up. And the next people join for one or two months and give up. And then everybody goes, oh, this product doesn't work and it stops. You know, I, I think um, it's really important for people to actually have that passion and doing something and, and actually make the product. Because if you make the product and it's good and it benefits lots and lots of people and they love it, then it will come back and benefit you as well. I, I can't, I've already said this, but I, I have to reiterate again, you're really taken back by your commitment to the user and any business who, who takes that approach, you almost can't go wrong. If you ensure that what you're doing is built around the user and adds value to the user, yes, in <laughs> balance with commercial reality, that there is probably putting you ahead of most of your other competitors from the start. In this process, you know, we've sort of had 24 months, right? What are the, what are the big lessons that you've learned through the process today? I suppose when you're starting with the product, it's almost like when we talked about it to start with, it's like, well, is it needed? You know, is that product needed? Yes or no? You know, is it needed by 
lots of people? Is it going to change lives? Is it going to save time? Those type of things come into it. And then once you get that answer, it's like, well, you, can it now be created? You know, what can you do to make it work? Um, who do you need to have on board to make it work? So, so those type of things, quite simple, but, you know, quite, I think, um, important things as well. Um, and again, you know, we've, we've we're constantly talking about the customer, but how would it benefit that customer? How will they find it easy to use? Why would they pay money for this? Why would they use it? Why would they entrust this with their trading accounts? All those kind of questions came out. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently over this journey? I don't think there's a lot that we would have do differently, to be honest. I, I think we, we took it at a pretty casual but professional sort of approach. When we were working together in the early days, we, we never pushed anybody for timeline said right you have to be back to me by that day we were not you know like we were both busy people doing our own things as well we're not just sitting there letting it drift but we also were on the understanding is like you know this is a research thing a development thing yes we'll do it and we'll do it timely but we weren't constantly like where is it and nagging each other and stuff like that we, we didn't do that at all and i think because of that it actually flowed even better and it, it opened up to really good ideas developing from it as I said near the beginning, I think when you open up a product to get feedback from a, a group of almost like the sort of beta test people, I think we did that nicely. We explained to people that this was new, what it was. They understood trading and we didn't jump on board with every single idea that every single person asked for you know we took that information we analyzed it and go yeah i actually think that would benefit the product and other people or no this is just one person wanting a wish list you know you, you can't please all the people all the time and i think you've got to take that kind of your own knowledge of going well i like what that person's saying but i don't think it's really going to enhance the product or it's going to make it more complicated or it's going to make it more expensive or the, the actual trading performance is going to be worsened because of this I'm pleased the way we did that. We we picked a number of people, a good number of people, good sort of market coverage. We we didn't sort of we didn't drop everything to make it work like tomorrow either. You know, I don't think you can although you said we've done it relatively fast, I, I don't think we've we didn't rush it either. You know, deliberately didn't rush it. We never had a set date for it to be ready to the market. It was like it was gonna be ready when we felt it was ready. So I think all those things are you know, are, are quite important for for the way that we worked, you know, and, and made it work. We had someone out there and who's not using AI and however you want to frame that up in their businesses and they, and they want to start, what mm. were the, would be the top three pieces of advice that you would give them on how to approach that? something? Yep. So I suppose it's like, um, what are you doing it for? What's, what's your outcome that you're looking for from it? Um, you know, are you doing it to save time? Are you doing it to save employment costs? Are you doing it to make things more efficient? I suppose it's one thing that someone always has to bear in mind is that I suppose as we get more and more automated in everything we do and autoresponders and auto this and auto that, it's fantastic, but you still got to have that human element in it as well and, and keep it personal. I think having a story is good as well. You know, I've always used, because it's true, I was a dairy farmer who got divorced and ended up with a, a young kid at, what was Thomas at the time? He was about two or three. I was suddenly looking after him majority of the time and needed something to do. And I stumbled into trading Forex. You know, it's a real genuine reason. That's how it started. So I think for people going forward, if they've got a real reason of why they want that automation or why they want to change or benefit people or, or make a product cheaper or more efficient, have a story behind that as well. 
like a real reason because I think that helps other people to connect to that. Yeah, I, there's been so many powerful points in this whole talk and uh, you know, you've had on a really important one there. And if, like I was trying to think if I was to pull out my five, my top five points from you, that, that's now number one and it's, it's start with your why. Yeah, and yeah. If anyone out there doesn't understand that concept, go and look up Simon Sinek on, on YouTube. Right. And, He's and brilliant. That'll come out in seven minutes. That's really, really powerful. Like, go and listen to the one about the, the Wright brothers and the, the, that story. It, it's an incredible, powerful podcast. It's, it's brilliant. So number one would be your why. Number two is know the outcome, know the value that you're trying to get to for, for your user and for your clients. Number three, it's it's be agile. And agile methodology is a huge buzzword. I think you've proven, right? You've taken an idea and delivered a commercial model in 12 months. And in the world of business, that, that is actually really, really powerful. So focus on your minimum viable product. Focus on what your customer's telling you and then iterate. Yep, and I encourage you, and Andrew framed this up really, really well, when you iterate, be really careful about how you decide what your iterations are, right? Make sure those iterations align, not only to customer value, but value back to your business. Uh, yeah. The next one is, is partner and, and you've perfectly demonstrated the power of partnerships and, and you know, what can be achieved when you get the right mix of, of people in the room and, and be open to what those partnerships look like because it might not mean through what you think of as your current business model. And, and again, perfect example of, of how this has created something new with necessarily future potential. And, and my last one is whenever you do something, whenever you build a business case, is, is focused not only on, as Andrew's pointed out, you know, the savings, so the time savings or the cost savings, but focus mm. on on the new growth that it's going to enable, focus on how it'll deliver new revenue or new benefit that you're not currently getting. And you know, if, if you can build a business case based on your soft benefit, or sorry, based on your known sort of savings, then the mm. upside is, is all gravy. We've, we've mentioned some, a lot of stuff today, so I'm going to have to go back and, and pick up on everything we've mentioned, but one of them was, was the OpenXO framework. I'm going to make sure there's a link to that in the show yes. notes. Um, I've mentioned the Gartner 2021 technology trends, obviously they'll be in the show notes. We make a, a podcast recording and we make a VO recording. So depending on which one you listen to, if you want the other, that link will be in the show notes and we write a summary article covering, packing out all the, the real good stuff and, and summarizing that. That jumps into the show notes as well. So, but before we do go, Andrew, if anyone's really interested in Patent Trader and what you've created, where can they find mm. that? So we've got a website that explains all about it. It's a free trial as well for people for a month. And it's called tftcpatenttrader.com. And uh, if anybody's interested in manual coaching and, and learning how to trade what we think is the wonderful world of forex trading, it's theforextradingcoach.com. The two websites, uh, they will both reach me. Can people reach out to you on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I'll get you to pop a link on this uh, podcast as well. Perfect. So both of those websites plus that LinkedIn profile will be on the, the show notes. Andrew, your time is incredibly valuable. Given so many great insights today, just thank you so much for this content. This interview has been great. Oh, thank you for asking. I've really enjoyed it. Hope people yes. uh, gain you know a lot of benefit as well from it. You were listening to another DX Talk brought to you by Quantum. The future-focused pioneers for a new way of working. To drive change in your operating model through automation, or to subscribe for more episodes, visit quantin.co.nz.